Welcome to Leviton Contractor Connect. The content of this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. The opinions expressed by the guests do not necessarily represent the views or opinion of Leviton. Leviton does not make any representations or warranties with respect to the accuracy or applicability of the information. Hi, welcome back to Leviton's Contractor Connect podcast series. My name is Tom Degden. I am the Contractor Channel Manager at Leviton Manufacturing. It's my pleasure to welcome back Steve Campolo to the podcast. And we're here to talk about the most significant changes to the 2023 National Electrical Code, the NEC. A summary of the changes is available in the Captain Code Pocket Guide available free at participating Leviton distributor locations or online at leviton.com slash Captain Code. There's even a Captain Code app available wherever you get your apps. This is part two of a two-part podcast, so also look for and download part one available wherever you get your podcasts. Steve is Vice President of Codes, Standards, and Compliance at Leviton. Steve is a certified fire inspector and sits on NFPA Code Making Panel 2. Code Making Panel 2 sets direction on NEC Articles 210 and 220 covering branch circuits. These articles impact electrical contractors the most in their day-to-day activities. In his 43-year tenure, Steve has been involved in product development, research, testing, and safety-slash-code compliance for many innovative and successful electrical products at Leviton. Steve holds 33 U.S. patents in the electrical wiring device industry. Steve's background and credentials make him a subject matter expert on the National Electrical Code. Wow, that, that is pretty impressive, Steve. So, so welcome. <laughs> well, thank you, Tom. Thanks for having me back. Let's start with surge protection. Uh, 2020 was a big year for surge in the National Electrical Code. In the 2020 NEC, surge protection was required in homes. Did the NEC expand surge protection requirements for 2023, NEC? Yes, absolutely. Articles 210, 1518, A through E, also 225.42, A through E, and Article 230.67, A through E, all relate to similar surge requirements but come from different areas of the NEC. So in addition to dwelling units, surge protection is now required in dormitories, guest rooms and suites of hotels and motels, and sleeping areas of nursing homes and assisted living facilities. The surge protective device must be installed in or adjacent to distribution or service equipment that is connected to the load side of the feeder. Okay. What about electric vehicles and EVSC equipment, electric vehicle supply equipment? This area is creating a lot of work for electrical contractors. Is there anything they should know about EVSC in the 2023 NEC? Oh, yes, there is. Uh, You know, I think we all see electric vehicles on the road today, and they are here to stay. As early adopters get more familiar and comfortable with their first electric car, it's not long before some families decide on a second electric car. You know, two electric vehicles charging at the same time presents challenges for many homes' electrical panels. A panel upgrade or maybe even a second panel or maybe even a utility upgrade could be required to accommodate these electric vehicles. Sounds expensive. Yeah, it sure does. (laughs) Anyway, when determining the demand factor for most appliances, Article 220.53 of the NEC calls for applying a 75% a factor to the nameplate rating 
uh, for the load of four more appliances. However, new for the 2023 code, electric vehicle supply equipment, sometimes referred to as EVSE, is specifically prohibited from being included in that calculation, along with clothes dryers, space heating equipment, and AC equipment, and that's because it usually runs pretty close to 100% or at least 80% or more than the 75% demand factor. To calculate the load for the EVSE, Article 22057, that the load must be calculated at either 7,200 watts or volt amperes on the nameplate rating, whichever is larger. Article 625.40, 625.42A and B, and 625.43 go even further. First, 625 says that a dedicated branch circuit must be used for EVSE circuits greater than 15, uh, excuse me, greater than 16 amps at 120 volts. Then, Article 625.42 dictates that EVSE loads shall be considered as a continuous load. That's why you don't have the 75% factor applied. So as mentioned before, if two or more EVSEs are used at the same time in the home, the home's panel can quickly be maxed out. So 625.42a is now allowing energy management systems to address this problem and avoid costly service upgrades. Here, the circuit can be sized according to the energy management system, and the system can then limit or alternate voltage or power between the vehicles so as not to exceed the circuit's capacity, sort of like time-sharing. Article 625.42b allows for EVSEs with adjustable settings to limit electrical current draw, and circuits can be sized accordingly. Now, there are other considerations beyond what we have time for here today, so check it out in Captain Code for all of the details. Great. Very interesting, too. Okay, let's uh, switch to a, a different area uh, that gets a lot of attention, and that's tamper-resistant, TR. Anything new for uh, 2023 with regards to tamper-resistant, Steve? Yes, there is. Article 406.12 was expanded to require tamper-resistant in residential boathouses and mobile or manufactured homes, fitness centers, social and substance abuse centers, group homes, foster care, nursing homes, psychiatric hospitals, and areas of agricultural buildings accessible to the general public. Interesting. I got a new one for for you here, Steve, and and this one kind of took me by surprise, and that's uh, heating cables in walls. I I had never heard of this before, but I I saw it in the 2023 NEC. Can you tell us about the requirements relating to heating cables in walls? Well, I'll tell you a little bit, yes. Uh, Well, I'm sure most of us are aware that heating cables have been used under floors, under driveways, and other surfaces for quite some time now. Now it seems that someone has figured out if heat is good in floors, why not in walls? Sort of like (laughs) radiant heat. Sort of like a radiant heat, you know? Article 424.48 allows for this practice, but there are some rules and the limitations. Of course, like with most electrical equipment, these heating cables must be listed or certified uh, for the use. GFCI and AFCI protection is required for the circuit. Approved grounding means must also be utilized, and the cables must be installed no more than four feet above the floor. 
<clears throat> now, when I saw this rule, I immediately thought the application would be around a bathtub or shower areas. Tiles can get cold in the winter and heating them would be nice, but the article prohibits heating cables in areas identified in 424.38b, which spells out tubs and shower walls. Other areas are also identified. I'm not sure whoever lobbied for this for allowing cables in walls knew about these limitations, but they are there in the NEC. Hmm. All right, let's uh, let's talk uh, a little uh, different topic here. The the 2020 NEC added a disconnect on homes. To to prevent someone from disconnecting your power, the code does allow the disconnect to be lockable as that doesn't prevent ready access. For 2023, I heard of similar requirements on AC refrigeration disconnects. Can you tell us about that? Yes, and that's a good analogy, uh, Tom. But really, it goes beyond and includes hinged doors. We all know that AC units require a disconnect. Now, Article 440.11 allows the disconnect to be lockable or require a special tool to open it if the disconnect is accessible by the general public. Now, the reason for this is to prevent unwanted shutdown and also prevent untrained individuals from opening the door and accessing the energized electrical equipment. Okay, I have a powerful question for you, Steve. What about systems and equipment over 1,000 volts AC and 1,500 volts DC? Well, Tom, you know, the time allotted today for this podcast, we really can't dive too deep into this, but rather I'll cover it at a high level. Now, if you work in this area... I recommend you get a copy of the Captain Codebook and the NEC and FPA 70 for the fine details. But in short, there is new NEC text covered by Articles 245 and 495 addressing these higher voltages. Now, with photovoltaics, solar cells, and other new higher voltage technologies becoming mainstream, the NFPA, and of course the NEC, is keeping pace by acknowledging and setting guidelines for these higher voltages. Mm, okay. Let's, let's uh, talk about something a little more fun, and, and that is uh, receptacles and RV parks. Seems every code cycle they modify the, uh, this, these requirements, and of course RVs are getting more and more popular. There's, there's TV shows on RVs, uh, they're everywhere now, right? So anything new in the 2023 code uh, specific to receptacles and RV parks? Yes, absolutely, Tom. And I have an RV myself that sits in an RV park. There are very specific requirements for receptacles in RV parks, and they are covered in Article 551.71, A, B, C, and F. Again, this topic alone could take as long as 20 minutes to cover it all. But the change for 2023 is a weather-resistant requirement for receptacles in these areas. RV power requirements vary from a simple 20-amp or 120-volt circuit, all the way to 15-amp, 125-250-volt uh, circuits. Perhaps the most common is the 30-amp, 125-volt circuit, which I have on mine. But anyway, the NEC requires all of these configurations in the prescribed number of RV slips within each RV park. The Captain Codebook uh, guide breaks this all down into simple terms. So if you're doing work at an RV park, Get the Captain Code Guide. Good advice, Steve. And I, I, as mentioned, I developed that. We put illustrations, too. It shows the NEMA configurations. It's uh, really a handy uh, resource. 
Okay, um, last question. Seems the NEC is very concerned about power around marinas and boatyards. I know there were a few changes there. Can you tell us about the most significant of those changes? Oh, surely. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure we're all well aware of the dangers when electricity is used around water. Each code cycle, the NEC strengthens the position uh, in this area. Again, this could be a podcast on its own. So get the guide, but I'm going to briefly summarize. Article 555.36c calls for clearly marked emergency disconnects for each marina power outlet that provides shore power to a boat. Article 555.15 states that when modifications to or replacement of electrical equipment is made, they must be up-to-date to code, and that is to the current code, and inspected by a qualified person. If equipment becomes damaged, it must be repaired and addressed by a qualified person. When we read this quickly, we think that this must have already been in the code, but with the large number of shock events, fatalities, and so forth, something needed to be done to hopefully address the problem. It seems that NFPA and the NEC is questioning who is doing electrical work at marinas and their qualifications. <laughs> That's true. I, I am a boater, and you know, it's, it seems that uh, a lot of the marinas I've been to uh, are in various stages of disrepair, so good advice there. So this concludes today's podcast and part two of our conversation with Steve Campolo. Remember that you can see the high-level changes to the 2323 NEC at leviton.com slash Captain Code, and also look for the printed pocket guide at participating Leviton distributor locations. I would like to thank Steve for joining us. Oh, thanks once again, Tom. I really appreciate you having me back for a second podcast. And thanks to our audience for logging in. Our podcasts are structured as a quick listen for our audience. We invite you to look for and listen to our other podcasts archived at leviton.com slash Contractor Connect Podcast. So goodbye for now.